0: Hi, welcome to Cold Turkey Podcast. My name is Alex and uh, this week I'm sitting with uh, Matt, actually not sitting, we did this remote. Um, you may hear a bit of the the line cutting. Uh, this may be caused by multiple things, uh, bandwidth or whatever. I'm trying different platforms to actually have the best quality and the best results for you guys uh, to listen. In uh, that Situation. I don't really know what happened, but um, I'm changing and trying different platforms. So, uh, yeah. So that's it. But um, all in all, my meeting with Matt was uh, actually fantastic. I don't want to spoil too much. I'm gonna put description of what he's doing and you know, like the blogs and the podcast that he that he's uh, doing on his uh, on his own. But um, one thing for sure, you know, like again, no spoiler. But there's something. Kind of um, special that happened in his life, special in a dark sense of it. But uh, uh, but he's he's a great guy. We got along super well, and uh, it was fantastic to have him on. So. Uh, uh, yeah, quick reminder, You know, like there's the Facebook page, uh, even though it's mostly in French, uh, I try to put more and more English material in there, uh, that you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google, iTunes, um, if you can just put a review or put like a, if it's a star system or a thumbs up system, whatever it is, um, I love getting your feedback and without further ado, I'm leaving you listening to Matt, enjoy. Hi Matt. Hello there. How are you? I'm doing great. Yourself?
1: I'm excellent. Thank you for having me on this. This is exciting.
0: It's a pleasure. So we had a few minutes beforehand to talk a bit, but you know, like I just want you to tell our listeners, you know, like where does all of that story start? You know, like what was your, you know, like where you witnessed to substance abuse? Where you know, like what your first contact with substances?
1: Uh, where do we start this? Where do we start it? Uh, maybe we start a little. A little before my first exposure to substance abuse. And because it might be a little bit of a shock to people or it might be a little bit of a different story uh, that I have been a wellness professional for for most of my life. And uh, for at least the last 13 years of my life, I worked as a massage therapist and an essential oil coach and a natural wellness coach and a natural nutrition coach. So I uh, have spent the majority of my adult life as the wellness guy, the guy who's always telling people how to live healthy and how to take care of themselves and do super healthy things. So Uh, was it
0: in a, in a kind of, um, um, like the life coach, like we know, you know, like that we're used to, you know, like the, the,
1: well, it's it's more ha- more hands on because massage therapy was my main thing, massage okay. therapy and physical therapy with people. So, which but it, it's what's interesting and something I never anticipated when I became a massage therapist is that massage therapists are very very close to therapists because people open up to a massage therapist and and when they, when someone trusts you with their body and their the help of their muscles, they often open up and tell you very very deep, very intimate details of their life, and they become very, very close with their massage therapist. And I cannot tell you how many thousands of times in my career, I've had people open up and tell me things and then say, wow, I never talked to my therapist like that. I've never said that to my therapist. And I get it, because it's very different. They know that they're not being psychoanalyzed, they're not being judged in any way. uh, They're not being, quote, fixed by a, a massage therapist is just listening. And if someone needs to talk and needs to let things out, then they let them out. So I've, I've been gifted with that. I think that is one of those beautiful things that I've, beautiful gifts in my life, unexpected gifts. It was very unexpected, but That's so many people had opened up to me.
0: So you started off as a massage therapist and then realized that, you know, like people were, were actually, you know, like sharing secrets and sharing some of their
1: personal life. Absolutely. Sharing so many things. And also just in the normal the normal occurrence as someone comes into a massage therapist and comes in with a problem, say with back pain. And as the massage therapist over weeks and weeks and months and years works with that person to rehabilitate them uh, while also making them feel comfortable in a very safe environment, feeling loved and safe to talk about things that they, they become very trusting. So, so you watch, you watch, can watch someone heal. I've watched clients come in who have been completely healthy. I've, seen them and witnessed them be diagnosed with cancer or with multiple sclerosis or uh, with diabetes, other, other elements, other illnesses, and then go through that. Some of them passed away. Some of them fought it and came out the other side, triumphant. Uh, some of them, I, I've watched people literally have seven strokes in one month, uh, one gentleman and, and entire half of his body just basically disappeared. It was, it was just skin hanging off of bone. And I watched him go from healthy to that. And then back to healthy again, he worked his way out of that. I, so I've watched people, I've watched the power of the human spirit on a different level than I ever imagined. It was It's really an awesome thing to see that as a massage therapist. And I never anticipated that. But when you know someone for 10 years, you really learn a lot about their life. You watch people and hear their stories of going through addiction, of going through depression, of going through all dark times when relationships come and go. And the massage therapist is just kind of a viewer but who gets a really, really front row seat because people feel very safe and comfortable to talk openly. So uh, so a lot of people really opened up to me and, uh, and I'm very b- grateful and blessed for that. And that's probably, to be honest, one of the things that saved me when I did get into addiction was the fact that I had all these stories of people who had passed away and I promised them, they actually had asked me, they said, Matt, will you tell my story? will you tell the world my story after i'm when i'm not here anymore because i know these people were fighting cancer a lot of them fighting cancer or other other fatal illnesses and so they made me promise that the things they had shared with me i would share that those things with others and so i remember one time in the middle of the, my year plus long addiction to crystal meth that i broke down i just sobbed and cried Thinking of especially one woman who I knew had passed away, and I could feel her. It was like she she had told me she was going to haunt me if I didn't share her story. <laughs> she promised me that she was going to come back and haunt me, and wow. I and I remembered that just one day randomly that I had made a promise to her, and it made me so it broke me down, and I, and I felt that I wasn't doing you know I, I wasn't completing my promise, I wasn't fulfilling it by uh if i was going to let my life fade away right if i could if i had passed away or died or overdosed from a drug addiction i would never have fulfilled my promise and i think that's something that helped me to start to snap out of it to be honest
0: and i have a feeling matt that i'm opening a book of matt's life right in the (laughs) middle chapters can (laughs) you can you introduce me matt a bit you know like uh just give me a a little backstory of, you know, like where are you from? You know, like, you know, like what was sure. the, the kind of the fraternal environment, the parental environment, and, you know, like your relation with school, you know, like just like a, a short or, or short, longer backstory of who you are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um- I, I guess a term that I used, uh, especially growing up, was golden boy. I was raised in a very religious family, Reformed Baptist in the United States. So mostly in Pennsylvania, born uh, on Long Island. So just outside of New York City. And then um, most of my life spent in Pennsylvania with just a really loving family, very, very religious. And uh, I have two older brothers. And so I'm, I'm the youngest And my older brothers are identical twins. So just like most brothers do, they beat me up. They beat the crap out of me all the time as a a child. And, you know, the normal things that older brothers do to (laughs) to a younger brother. I was um, very much a performer, a singer. I started singing and performing in uh, plays and traveling, doing performances when I was, I think, at five years old was the first time I started. So I always was going to be a Broadway performer or I was going to be a superstar in the movies in Hollywood. That was my goal from the time I was five years old. And I never I never had any other passion. It was just determined that that's what I would do with my life. So I went through high school. I got to perform. I got to fly to Vienna and to Canada and sing on stages and, and perform in front of 80,000 people at certain times. So I got to do a lot of stuff. I went to school for theater in college. Um, and, and yet it's really funny, I think, because I, that's not where life life took me. But, um, I guess to tap into where, where maybe parental, some of my-
0: Parental environment? I mean-
1: Parental, yeah, uh, two parents, my, both my parents, and they're still married today. today. Um, uh, like I said, very, very religious. So at the age of 18, when I decided that, um, uh, well, first of all, I came out to them as a gay man. So, uh, coming out of the closet was, um, what at 18 was, was difficult. And we, my parents and I differed on our views. So we sort of split ways for- several years before um, rejoining one another's lives and sort of getting to know each other again as adults and on a different mutually respective level. Um, And so, yeah, and actually now at the age of 40, I just recently moved back home with my parents. So uh, that's a crazy sort of thing. And we can get into that later in the conversation. But uh, so, so at 18, I came out and stopped speaking to my parents for several years. And then now at 40, so 22 years later, I've had the opportunity to spend some time, a lot more time with my parents and get to know them on a different level. Where but does the I,
0: artistic blood came from?
1: They're very, very artistic. My mother's very, very artistic in the visual arts, an amazing painter, and she can do everything. She makes crafts. My father is a, carpenter. So he builds cabinets, houses, kitchens, uh, stairways, libraries, and things like that. So that's very much in the family. No one really else that was a singer or an actor performer. I just have always loved to speak to people and in front of people. It's just kind of in my blood. So I'm not sure where that came from in the family, but it was very much encouraged. Like I said, I had opportunities from the time I was young to do some awesome stuff. And I was in show choirs and magical choirs, barbershop quartets. Like, I you know, I was that guy who would come around and sing to you. People could hire a barbershop quartet to come and embarrass one of your friends in school. That was me. That was, I was the guy who would come into your classroom and sing, you know, sing a song to, to your girlfriend to embarrass her or something. So that, that's sort wow. of uh, who I am. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Where
0: does the, you know, like, so, so was school... Easy, you know, like because you know, like you, you said that in, you know, like you, 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 uh, you came out of the closet, and I hate that expression,
1: but you're know, like, you, you, yes, you, I did, yes, <laughs> I, yeah, I wish, I wish there, I yeah, so wish there was, but you it's know, like, I, I, owned, I owned who I, who I am truly, um, I, yeah, maybe I just became more truthful with myself and with everyone well, well, around me. Well,
0: well, that's the expression, right? You know, like everyone uses <laughs> yeah. it, but you know, like, yep. you, yep, you actually, was... you know, I like, confessed to your parents that you know, like you, you, you were gay, and and mm-hmm. I was cool, you know, like so, you know, like.
1: Yeah, school. Actually, so the thing is, uh, I, I came out when I went to college, and that was the first time I had thought about it. So I was so intensely involved in theater and arts and and music and singing and performing and traveling when I was in high school, and it was a Christian high school. So uh, I, I honestly did not think about it. I, very much, I repressed a lot of it. That's def- I've learned that now. I, I just wasn't thinking about it because I didn't want to think about it. And then when I went to college and was a theater major and surrounded by much more open-minded people, it just sort of clicked for me. Um, so that's my honest truth. Um, I think some people always say, Oh, you're not, you're not being honest if you say that everything was easy, but I had a great high school experience. I, you know, I was so busy, and I was so, I was busy doing all of these things that I loved. I was constantly on stage. I was learning to tap dance. I was I was you know um, performing and traveling to great places and and all around the world. It was really cool. I didn't. I guess I didn't have time to to think if I was miserable or um, to
0: realize that or um, to realize it. Yeah, yeah, it was just I
1: was just in the dark. My head was in the in the sand, so to speak. I wasn't thinking about it. But like I said, when I got to eighteen and went to college, and it clicked. It was a very quick process. It was two weeks later that I that I came out uh, and owned everything. So it, I didn't waste any time once I figured it out. I, look what was going on, and parting, it didn't take much time.
0: Parting ways with the you know like with, with the parents, um, mm. what was the impact mm. in your life? You know, equipment?
1: at the time, I just uh, I I buried it all. I sort of compartmentalized. I pushed it down the the pain, and I just went a thousand miles uh, an hour ahead. So, um, and it's taken me many years to realize that I didn't process how much that hurt me or how painful that was for me at the time. I, I just pushed and went harder than ever. I worked harder. I performed more. And then right after college, I moved to New York city and I started doing off Broadway work in New York city and I worked five jobs there and then, uh, brought me back to Philadelphia several years later. And I was again, running my own business. Acting, performing all the time, always having a social life. I was just going, 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 and um, so it took me at the age of thirty-seven when I when all of that caught up with me, I couldn't run away anymore, and I found myself hiding in a drug addiction. Uh, and then, luckily, you know, by the grace of God, by the grace of by just grace, by everything good in the world, I got out of that. Now I've had the time. And I'm in the in the deep and in the thick of doing the work as to what that what the pain really was at that time. I hadn't thought about it until now, though. In the past uh, year and a half or so, when I've really started to dive dive in and do the work and to work with a therapist, it took me 20 years to uh, to even feel it. So I didn't feel it at all. When you say what was that like? Yeah. I I don't I don't have a memory of it because I just blocked it out. And I'm I'm a strong individual who can do that, but only for so long. And yeah, so for, that's, well, you know, it caught as, up with me. <laughs>
0: as if every, you know, like as if every human being, right? You're like, you know, like we, we, yeah. I mean, my guess is, to, you know, like everything you, you know, like everything you try to uh, dig and, you know, like just bury will mm-hmm. somehow come out.
1: Resurface. It exactly. will resurface. Yes, we can, we can dig it as deep, you know, we can dig the deepest hole and it'll either, maybe it'll stay there, but it's going to rot. It's going to rot our soul at some point, right? It's going to hurt yep. us in some way absolutely um and yeah and, and so that's the truth of life the, you know uh that is the truth of life. The, the stuff that we decide to ignore will will hurt us in some way it yep. will always you know come back around it's going it's there's no way to avoid it that's humanity that is the <laughs> the truth of life
0: exactly and you know i call it morale and whatever you know but you know like something whatever you
1: want <laughs> yes you can put any label on it you can you can you know whitewash it you can put glitter on it you can you can i don't know dress it up it's always it's the same truth it's the fact that all the stuff that's hurt us, if we ignore it, it's going to hurt us more and more and more. But we can, when we can actually do the work and face it, which seems like the scariest thing, uh, we're much more likely to be able to come out the, on the other side of it as a healthier happier person yep at least that's my that's my hope because that's that's what i'm trying to do right now all well, right <laughs> I, 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 I can i can guarantee <laughs> you you like that, that's
0: <laughs> way it's way less heavy <laughs> oh, than it seems absolutely. way less so absolutely. And, and that's that's probably the the biggest truth to it all you know like it's that the the moment you you, you start sharing and opening up on those things mm. people look yes. at you as like is that what makes you so you know like 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 depressed, yeah, you know? and you're like, Well, yeah, you know, like, isn't, <laughs> well, yes. it, isn't it monstrous? And it's like, Well, there's nothing to it, and you're like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, okay, you know, like, there's like something of the burden that seems like, you know, like, and, and then the image of a mountain, you know, like, is pretty much it, you know, like, you, you feel like that burden is like a ton, and someone's like, Well, it's there's nothing to it, you know, like that, there's the,
1: nothing to it when you once you release it, once you release, yep. it, and that's the absolute truth because now. My greatest joy in life is sharing my story, talking about addiction, talking about the struggles that I've had, uh, you know, learning to love myself and accepting myself as gay. And the fact that those things didn't and that it led me to contract HIV and live with HIV now in my life, that the shame was just burrowing into me. It was burrowing and burrowing and burrowing now that I share it with everyone. I feel lighter than and healthier and happier than I've ever felt in my life. And it's some days I just scratch my head and I'm like, "What was I doing carrying all that around for so many years? Carrying it, it got heavier and heavier and heavier. The more I kept it inside, the more I, you know, tried to act like I was happy and perfect and life was great. But I was just, qui- you know, quieting myself. I was keep again. I was burying and digging up and burying those things deeper and deeper inside my soul. I just, why didn't I let them out sooner? <laughs> but yeah. I know that I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to. I wasn't ready. But now I'm grateful that I've gotten to a point where I am ready because it's awesome. It's awesome to to let it all out. It's just the best feeling in the world oh, to talk it about is. it. It is.
0: And and <laughs> yep. and before getting to you know, like, uh, I I sure want to you know, I go through your academic path because you know like obviously there was something there was a glitch in the matrix of you <laughs> going from a off-Broadway singer to a to a massage therapist but <laughs> yes what was your you know like w- what was your initial contact with you know like either alcohol or or or, or any drugs or whatever
1: and, uh, oh absolutely well uh, alcohol was always a big part again of the gay community and i i tried sometimes you know so i don't ever want to just make everything about the fact that i'm a gay man and and sort of wear that as a badge of honor on my sleeve or or that that is who i am but the fact of the matter is i have spent most of all of my adult life interacting with and being a part of the lgbtq plus community and so my history my experiences come from that and alcohol and drug use is huge in that world now again i can't speak for um for someone living in the heterosexual community um so someone like you who's married and and that we have very different paths um so I, i don't want to define myself i don't want everything to be you know gay man gay man gay man gay man but my experiences come from from that and so that in the gay community especially when i moved from new york Actually, in New York itself, I saw a lot of drug use. I saw a lot of alcoholism. and I, It didn't even phase me. I was on a mission to become a Broadway star. And so it didn't even phase me. I never experimented with drugs or anything. I might have had a beer after work and that was it. I just, I was on a mission. I was very, very driven. Then when I moved to Philadelphia um, in my mid twenties is when I noticed uh, a culture of drinking, like every, all my friends that I met, they would go to happy hour every single day. And they would drink 10 martinis every single day. And now when I look back and realize that that's actually some pretty heavy, scary drinking, but it was just looked at as normal. It was looked at as that's what everyone does. And everyone in the community that I became a part of, that was the norm. Um, and, and what I found out even later that I wasn't privy to, I, I was not realizing, was that those guys were often going to someone's house and doing lines of drugs before even going out to the bars. I don't know, So nobody ever offered it to me, which I guess I'm grateful for, because no one just no one had offered it to me. But I found out that there was a whole other kind of underground of people doing hardcore party drugs, recreational drugs, and also then binge drinking very, very heavily. And so, um, so I yeah, the drinking became something I didn't still didn't like to do it, but it didn't really affect me. And the crazy thing is, it took me, I had sort of to go searching for to f- jump into my own drug addiction years later. So Um, like, like I said, it was, it was out there and I saw it and I was witness to it, but it never affected me until my late thirties.
0: And so, so, uh, what happened?
1: Yeah. Um, so, well, uh, again, it, it didn't affect me, but I knew it was a part of the culture that I, that I was in. And so I knew a lot of people that did drugs and, uh, at the eight year mark, when I had my massage therapy practice. Uh, and maybe, maybe we can back up just a bit. You asked how I, how the glitch in the matrix happened, how yep. someone goes from Broadway star to massage therapist. It was a dare. And it was uh, one night after, after work, I owned a cleaning business. I cleaned houses. I did that for 11 years from the time I was 15 till 26 years old. Uh, it was great money. I put myself through school doing that. And I had a cleaning business and a friend worked with me and she and I had cleaned quite a few houses. We were both in pain, our bodies hurt. We had been vacuuming all day and dusting and cleaning and scrubbing and we were just tired. So we went out for some burgers and I think we were having margaritas. And uh and she dared me to become a massage therapist. And so I signed up for school the next day. And uh thirteen years later I'm (laughs) was a massage therapist. So um yep, I yeah, we were just having some burgers and some margaritas and she dared me to become a massage therapist. And I guess, you know, you don't dare me to do that. And I I said fine I'll I will. And uh, that's it. That That's it. And then so then in, my, in schooling, I was like, what have I gotten myself into? But all of a sudden, I realized, oh, wow, I actually have a natural gift for this. And all of my instructors and my professors uh, and my mentors in massage school f- saw something really special in me. And they they really worked to cultivate that. And I found that I did like it. But I I went into that process just scraping and clawing because I was like what have I gotten myself into but I also didn't want to back out on giving my word that's how stubborn I am so
0: and how much <laughs> so, how much did it put your 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 singing and uh, acting career on the back burner
1: It didn't at first at first it was great I still kept an agent and I still shot commercials and made films and little things like that and I performed for the first quite a few years and it was really not until Uh, which brings us up to the current part of my story. About eight years into my massage practice, my office burned down. I lost my entire office and, and everything. So everything I had worked for just went up in flames one night and I had to start from scratch. So at that point, the acting career just sort of, it just fizzled right there. I put all of my energy into rebuilding my massage practice. And it was a very, very tough year after that. In that year, I lost seven thousand dollars to one web designer that's scammed me out of money uh multiple companies that just took advantage of me because i was desperate and i was so i guess eager and naive and willing just willing to do anything to rebuild my practice and to be able to function and to work with my clients because i established probably about eight thousand clients in those eight years so it It was a lot of people I wanted to get back to working with them. And uh, so I pushed myself too hard. This was the time in my life where I just went full speed ahead. Again, which goes back to the story of when I came out of the closet. When something painful happens in my life, I realized my first response is to just push myself. So to not think. But if I can make myself busy, if I can just work, 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 then I won't have to think about the feelings. And so coming out of the closet, the pain of all that, I didn't want to think about it or feel it. So I pushed and I, you know, I became pretty successful. I was very, very busy, busy individual. Again, when a big tragedy happened uh, and my office burned down and my business seemed to disappear overnight, I just went, I put the pedal to the metal and I worked hard and I really worked and worked and worked and I was working seven days a week and not stopping. And so for that next year, I made a lot of bad choices in my business and also in the people I hung out with. I lost a lot of friendships because I wasn't I wasn't available. I was just focusing and I was spending all of my time in my massage office every minute. And uh, I remember very late at night one, one day, I was sitting out on the front stoop. I was just getting some errands. A gentleman walked by, a guy walked by my office and we started talking. And um, I don't know, a few minutes later, I was smoking crystal meth for the first time. Which is, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. So, yep. no contacts whatsoever beforehand.
1: Like I said, I knew of people who had done it, but no, no one had. I think because, again, because I was always the squeaky clean, the golden boy, the uh, and, and then, like I said, the massage therapist guy, people didn't offer that to me. I think no one would dare to, you know, I, I didn't go to parties and things like that, it just wasn't in my face. I knew people did that sort of thing but it wasn't in my it wasn't in my world um until this this guy walked by and i, I knew him i'd seen him around he was a very uh, good looking guy and he was very healthy active. actually i remember our conversation began talking about yoga which is if you can believe it yoga and then turns into uh dear, do you want to smoke some crystal meth with me that's crazy and not <laughs> crazy. only that yes. i
0: mean like if you were about to tell me that was a dare i would have just Tell you, Matt, that you're not dealing well with theirs. <laughs> with theirs, <dares>, no, no. <laughs> no, but
1: That, that would that would make my my story a lot more interesting.
0: was okay, Matt, <laughs> like I usually don't comment on things, but you know, like if this was there as well, I would say, yeah, you know, like help. be careful yeah. about theirs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't ever let anyone dare you to do anything again, ever. <laughs> it exactly, wasn't, it wasn't, but um, but that would make my story a lot funnier. I right? would right? have to think of changing them now. Um, so no, so, was, the guy, more, so the guy, so the guy
0: has like a casual conversation with you pulls out yep. a pipe and says like hey you want to hit or
1: whatever yeah yeah pretty much yeah Gee. and uh, and i and i think i was just so exhausted i was i was running on fumes and again uh, so i can acknowledge now at the time i didn't this wasn't going through my head but i had just drained myself i had not taken a moment to even breathe after that night when i walked up to my office and saw that it was in flames i i don't think i ever took a breath for the next. Well, really not until then, maybe last year. <laughs> so for the next two and a half years of my life, I just didn't breathe. I didn't blink. I barely slept. And the fact was that I couldn't sustain that for a long time. And, and I, again, I should know better, right? Being the massage therapist, the guy who's telling everyone else, you need to breathe. You need to take time for yeah. yourself. You need, to heal, you need to heal. Yeah, you need to relax. And I was doing the exact opposite of everything I knew. So my ego had taken charge and I was just going full speed ahead But remember, too, having not dealt with my own emotional issues from my early 20s, really having not dealt with any of my emotions. Oh, you had a backpack full of rocks, right? Yes, right. right. My pack was heavy, right? Yes, I was carrying a backpack already. So then the fire and then losing all my savings, losing everything that I had earned Uh, to people scamming me and things like that and losing a lot of my clients a lot of clients never came back which I can understand I don't think people feel very comfortable going back to see a massage therapist whose office burned down because they think ooh that's really depressing (laughs) so I realized it took me a while but a lot of people just never came back to see me because it was like oh I don't want to go in there and think about this poor guy's office burned down that's just depressing so people stayed away do you think Um, it was some kind of a big fuck you? Mm -hmm. Like from the universe or from them or from
0: who? No, no, no. From <laughs> from that you know, like when when you kind of you know, like that's major releasing the valve, right? You know like taking oh, you know like yeah. you know, like even though you know, like I I and maybe this is a cultural difference, but you know, like but for me crystal meth is pretty much the art chorus <laughs> Thing you could have oh, yes, chosen. I know, I know
1: it's like it's like I didn't jump just into you know a little cocaine or something like that, or, or even a, you know I like could let's
0: smoke a joint here, you know like <laughs> right.
1: yeah, you know like no, that, it, it, yes, you know like so like just so, dive right in dive exactly. Right do you event, think dive right in?
0: Do you think it was unconsciously, you know like um subconsciously kind of a, a like a fuck y'all or you know like, oh
1: absolutely yes that that was definitely I think that there were probably two or three major driving forces. One was, that was probably fuck you to those people. Yep. One was fuck me and fuck it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, that's the truth. So it was, it was, if I'm going to, you know, so here's, here's where I guess my story comes around and what I've learned to acknowledge up until that point, I had not failed at anything that I tried. That was the first time in my life, the first major thing in my life that my office burned down and i said i'm going to rebuild it i'm going to i'm going to make it come back better and i'm going to be busier than ever i'm going to help more people than ever and so my pride my ego got in the way and that didn't happen so a year later when it hadn't happened i i didn't know how i didn't have the emotional maturity i didn't have any of the tools or the or the strength um or the support system in my life you know the the proper support beams put up around me to get through something like that i just I could handle it and I could fix everything. And because any other time in my life, I had done that. So I come out of the closet and I am estranged from my parents, but I still I moved to New York or I have a great career in college. I get to perform in all these things. I get to travel. I go to New York. I get uh, an off-Broadway show right away. I meet my agent on the train on the way up there. All of a sudden, it's just like, bam, 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 things are happening. This was the first time where I kept trying and I kept failing. I kept falling flat on my face, falling, falling, falling. And so I didn't know this, but I was just ready to give up. And so when that, when that gentleman walked up to me with that pipe, it was the perfect out for me. It was the perfect escape because I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to admit or own up to, like you said, this bag full of rocks on my back that I was carrying around that I just didn't have the strength to carry around anymore. Yeah. And I, so I, I just said, you know what? I'm just, I'm going out. I'm checking out. So I'm numbing myself. I am using whatever means, and that happened to be right in front of me, right there. It was just—I didn't seek it out, but it was right there.
0: And what happens? You know, like so, you take that hit.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Well. uh, Well, to be honest, this is how much I was angry and hurt and ready to escape because now. It, I did. I was jumping into a very hardcore drug. That crystal meth is no joke, and it's po- it's poison for the body. Yeah. I couldn't. Ha- I couldn't handle it. <laughs> Still to this day, I can't drink coffee, and I've never been able to my whole life. If I drink coffee, I fall asleep. Jeez. So my body. I, I have a very weird body. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is crazy. Right. So the guy who can't drink coffee. Like everyone on the planet can drink coffee, right? I can't drink it. it. It puts me, I get in a bad mood, I get a headache and then I'm asleep. <laughs> so crystal meth is like 87,000 cups of coffee at, at one sitting, right? Yeah. And so what was I thinking? So my body literally, uh, I I remember the first time I sat there and smoked and then I went to the bathroom and I vomited. And I did that for the next month or two months. That's how much I, I can't say I wanted to smoke crystal meth, but how much I wanted to escape and to be numb, but you know, like, so do you, I made do, myself. Can sick. you
0: identify because you know, like there's, there's clearly, you know, like a, a um, kind of a there's clearly a, a more bigger gap between that first time which makes you sick mm-hmm. and that second time you try or you try to find a way to try that second time. Um, mm-hmm. Can can you can you remember because you know, like obviously you know, like, is there anything that came good out of it that made you want to repeat it? Or it was just a physical thing?
1: Yeah. Um, yes. What came out of it? And again, once I, I don't know why I threw up and then I just went right back and smoked more and felt totally fine after it was like, Oh, okay. Well that was weird. Maybe I'll just, that just will never happen again. And I think that I rationalized that away because the next several times I did it, you know, I'm saying I did it every day. I pretty much jumped into it this guy and I who I first spoke with we became friends quote I'm using air quotes when I say that because I realize now that really wasn't a friendship because we were just self-destructing together but that guy and I we would hang out all the all the time we just spent a lot of time together and he would always have it on him and I had cash and I would give him cash for it and so he had it and um, we hung out all the time doing it so I really jumped in and just kind of ran with it. It wasn't like I did it once and then um, and then didn't do it for a long time again. It was that I did it a lot, but I I would make myself sick at first. Until and I think then my body just sort of broke down after those first two months, and so eventually it didn't make me sick. And it was like, okay, I have energy now. I feel invincible. I was skinny, right? I, I was like, oh look, I look healthy and skinny, and I can also stay up until four o'clock in the morning and sleep for an hour, and then get back up and continue working, which I had been doing already uh, the year after the fire at my office, but I didn't have the physical ability to do it anymore so this drug showed up and it was like wow it's magic it, it just makes me feel nothing i feel alert and happy and like unstoppable just the way i've wanted to feel or the way i've per- been pretending to pe- to feel for years um but this is even is even stronger you know it felt kind of good i felt i felt attractive i felt charismatic i felt really powerful um so do, yeah do, so it, was, it was sort of, the throwing up.
0: Do you have <laughs> memories of of relief? You know like you, you know, like when I you know like I asked you you know like about that if it was kind of a fuck you moment. Do you remember mm-hmm. that that it it you know like it it created that effect in in internally Oh, oh Yes, you know, like-
1: yes, absolutely. What what it did I think probably now that you say that I'm realizing that as a very like, like empathetic person, and I hate when people say I'm an empath. Like, it sounds so obnoxious, and I I want to punch people when they say that. I'm not saying that, but but being a massage therapist, someone who works with people and listens to them, I'm a very sensitive person. Like I am hypersensitive in a lot of ways, and I think a lot of artistic people are like that. A lot of people. I mean, you look at how many uh, Hollywood right, personalities and and movie stars have had problems with drugs and alcohol. People who are in the artistic realm, I think. Often tend to be very very sensitive, and so that can be overwhelming in and of itself. And in that year after, where all those clients, those thousands of clients that I had worked with, very very personally, very intimately, you know, I had been there for them as they went through a lot of stuff. When so many of them never showed up again, yeah, I it was like I, it hurt me on a level that I can't even explain. I never still don't understand it to this day. Like some of them never even contacted me, never emailed me, never called me to say, oh, I heard what happened. I'm so sorry many of them just, just wiped me out of their lives. And that hurt me. And so when I when I probably first you know hit that pipe and took a hit of that crystal meth, it was like, I just didn't care about that anymore. I didn't care. So yeah, but I think what you described, the fuck you, but it was more of just like, go away. All of that heaviness that, because I always think, why? Did I do something wrong? Why wouldn't this person who whom I worked with personally every single week for years, why would they just ignore me? Why would they just never respond to me? Why would they not care? If I just lost everything, why would they never reach out to me? It just all that faded away. And I didn't care. I didn't care. People could do whatever they wanted to me. People could say whatever they wanted to me. I didn't care anymore. So for the first time in my life, all, all the noise, the voices stopped. And that's really the truth. I mean, again, being someone, an actor too, and actors are always, you know, kind of, uh, paying attention to everyone else in the room um and and a lot of personality types are like that but mine especially that's my thing I'm always being sensitive to how everyone in the room is feeling and you know trying to make be the placate everyone so making this person laugh giving that person a hug just making sure everyone's happy like that's and, internalizing sudden,
0: emotions you know like you know, like oh, the, the, yeah. you, know, you know like that 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 they're internalizing
1: and taking them and putting them in that backpack exactly backpack yeah. that's so heavy yeah. i was like let me let me take your problem off your back and i'll i'll, I'll hold on to it or I'll, I'll, I'll leverage this
0: and use this later in some act, you know, like, because... Oh, yes, totally. Yes,
1: I could use this in a character on stage. like Exactly. Yeah, actor, let me borrow, cool yeah, yep.
0: l- <laughs> l- yeah. Let, let me borrow that, you know, like that burden that and let me borrow yep. that grief and let me use oh, that yeah. later. And, you know, so oh, yeah. my guess is that, you know, like there's, you get like uh, imprinted by, you know, like some of that. So not only is it like an hypersensitivity thing, but it's almost like a, a, a utilitarian thing. You know, like, let me, mm-hmm. you know, like, let me borrow that grief because, you know, like I, I may need it later, you know. For- exactly.
1: Yes. When I go and play Hamlet on stage, when I, you know, when I get cast in Hamlet and I play one of the greatest roles ever, I will have all of this pain and angst to draw from. But also remember too, I've been a massage therapist for eight, nine years at that point. So All of these people too that had come to me with pain and with sadness, and they would let me know about their stories. I, I had internalized their own stuff, and I, and that's a very dangerous thing for massage therapists. And I really wish that uh, there would be some way to, to create a better program in school to truly prepare someone for for all of that because as, you lock yourself in a room with someone it's it's hard to not take on their pain to not take that on and and absorb it yourself which is very very dangerous well as an emergency scary.
0: doctors does and you know like you, yeah. know like you know like all of these folks that are frontline to pain yeah
1: caretakers right caretakers yeah. of, of any kind often try to take away someone else's pain which uh, a beautiful lesson that i'm only just learning in this last year of my life is that that is one of the most cruel things that we can do to another person is to take away their pain from them because that's the only way we grow. That's the only way we become better. So I'm now, I'm now allowing myself on releasing myself from trying to fix everyone else. Because when I think about it that way, actually by me fixing that person, me trying to take your pain away from you, I am insulting you. I am doing you the, the greatest disservice by taking away your pain. Our pain is a gift because it's something all the struggles are here to teach us things, right? Yeah. And when we can get through them, Then we come out the other side being like, man, I'm awesome. Like, I'm awesome. I just, I made it through that. But when someone else comes in and goes, let me take that barrier out of your way for you, we might think, oh, cool, the barrier's gone. But then we don't have any more integrity. We don't have any more strength. We don't, we don't believe in ourselves anymore. We just sort of float out there. So, so I've only, it took me a long time to start to learn this, but, um, but I'm glad I am. (laughs) But I definitely was not doing that for many years. My guess
0: is, you know, like from that first time you try, um, Mm -hmm. things move. Quite fast, right? You know, like that's all we oh, yeah. hear about this. You know, like you know, like about this substance is that you know, like you don't you don't surf, <laughs> you don't surf <laughs> crystal meth use. You know, like you you just it's, it's you, yeah, yeah, it
1: does. It speeds everything up. I mean, your entire cardiovascular system reboots. It, it you know it rewires everything in your brain and everything, and and it does age you. You know, I my estimate, and this has not been my doctor has not told me this, none of this, but I believe I aged five years in that one year. Um, and I'm saying on a cellular level, on a physical level, yeah. uh, not not to mention um, emotionally and all these other things and the, the amount of anxiety and internal scarring that was done um, in that year. But I believe just physically because everything goes so fast. Now I will say this, it was the longest year of my life too it was the longest and slowest even though it was the fastest if that makes any sense because it was yeah yeah, for
0: sure it Uh, was
1: like wallowing in just like this murky mire of quicksand or something so it was weird but my heart was beating really fast
0: (laughs) uh, how quickly matt do you um wake up with kind of the seeds or the realization that you're fucking up your life you know, like the, you know, like because you know, like usually you know, like I, I talk with people that you know, like it's a it's a kind of a longer term thing, and you know, like so they would start having a drink, or I don't know, like in their early, you know, like they they would try at twelve, for example, you know, like and enjoy mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. then they would progress mm-hmm. to sixteen, seventeen, or college years where you know, like they start being more regular on the alcohol use. I'm go- I'm going to use alcohol, and and then. Um, yeah and then at some point you know, like it becomes kind of a daily thing and and by the 20s it's it's you know like there's no doubt you know like every day they, they need to have a drink and then my question to them is you know like when do you feel that you know like either on a you know hungover or or the next day of a good one you you start getting those first seeds of you know like um well you know like that can't be life you know like that can't be a way of living life and uh mm-hmm. and you know like so so the question applies to yours but you know like it's in it's the shorter more hardcore period um do you do you quickly uh on over wake up and say well that's that's a weird path because obviously the, the other thing the other thing is that you know like uh, you open up the tv and you know like crystal met kills people on almost a yeah. daily basis right you know like so yes. so yes. You, you you know like even though you feel invincible um unless you, you you and then correct me if i'm wrong but you know like you know like even though you feel invincible you must know it, that you know, it, like that this it, is not it, fake news, right? You know, so right,
1: <laughs> yes, and it, yes, yes, it hurts because it's in your body, and you can feel the poison sort of slowing your body down. And I, I mean, and yes, because I came from a world where I was all about healthy and natural things, I'm pretty attuned to my body. I listen to my body. I've taught people how to listen to their own bodies, so I knew what well, the things I was doing. Here's the scary part of it: um, I. Uh, you know, the invincibility factor didn't come from the meth. It was, that was already an ego and a pride thing I had in my head. I, this is what I say. I don't know this for a fact, but I do know it for a fact. Nobody walks into an addiction thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna pick up that drink and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be hooked. I'm gonna throw, my, throw away my life. No one picks up marijuana or the meth pipe, whatever it is, and thinks I'm gonna become an addict. Yeah. We all think, oh, I'm, I'm totally strong enough to do this one time. It's just gonna be one time. And so the honest truth of my life was that for probably the first seven months, every single day, I was like, you know, all right, I'm just doing it one more time today. There's no logic in that. And it's like, and no, I wasn't thinking, yeah, but you have been doing it for seven months. It was just like, all right, you know, I'm going to stop right now because this is, I'll stop later today. Uh, okay, I'll stop tomorrow morning. Uh, okay, I'll stop the next day, whenever. It's just every day. And I was like, I'm strong enough. I I could... You know, my teeth didn't rot away. My teeth actually probably got better in that year, which is a crazy thing people don't hear about, but that's because I knew how to make my own toothpaste. I was gargling like crazy. I was doing all of these natural wellness things to make sure no one knew I had a problem. Yeah. So it wasn't like I wasn't going to part sex parties. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, going four or five days at a time. I would force myself to sleep and so that I could recover. I had this whole kind of twisted logic, you know, like, oh, I'm doing, yeah, but also, and I'm doing I'm doing this the healthy way. And that's the truth. I've never said this out loud, but that's what was going through my brain. I'm smoking meth the healthy way. <laughs> yep, that is. And I've never even said that out loud. I don't think I've ever actually thought those words, but that is exactly what was going through my mind. I was like, dude, I I'm I'm a healthy guy. I have all these. I've got essential oils. I've got organic foods. But let me grab the meth pipe, and then let me go just diffuse some essential oils and things like that in my on my skin. How how crazy is that? It's just crazy. it was your extra
0: food group from the you know like the. It <laughs> was,
1: yes, it was a whole extra food group. It was like, I mean, what, when I say it out loud now, it's like, what, what's, there's no logic in that. But again, there's no logic in addiction. Exactly. There's no logic in addiction. Cause it again, it comes from a dark place and it, and it's not like, oh, I want this drug or I want this alcohol. It's, 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 I don't want to feel the pain of the stuff I'm ignoring, <laughs> right? I'm gonna, it's, I don't want to feel those things. So it's anything you could literally like put an elephant like, will you have an elephant stand on your chest? Like, okay, if it makes me not feel the pain that I'm trying so desperately to get away from, there's no logic in that. But it's the same thing. It's like, you know, would you hold a gun to your head? No. But uh, but I'll do drugs. Like, there's no logic.
0: Yeah, I have there to ask logic. you, Matt. You know, like, th- th- do you think you always had it in you? You know, like, you know, like I, I have my own, you know, like feeling about this. You know, like, like listening to uh, hardcore, you. You lived life, you know, like even mm-hmm. before using. Do yep. you think you always add that in you?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It was just a, it was just a different manifestation. Like I said, if I hadn't been sitting on that front stoop and that gentleman had walked by, who knows what else I would have picked up? Would I have gotten gone into CrossFit or something? And I don't know, I don't know. But I, I'm pretty sure it would have been something more destructive. Probably not CrossFit. Probably wouldn't have been healthy. But it would have been some sort of dangerous thing. Because, like I said, I had I had nothing left in me. Um, at that point, I pushed myself so hard that there was nothing left. So it was either I stopped and, and, and let, again, maybe here's an analogy. I was running so fast away from all the things in my life, but they were still behind me. I was still dragging them. Yeah. And so if you ever, if you ever stop running full speed, that what's going to happen? All those big like boulders of despair and shame and self-loathing and all the sadness and the craziness, they're going to come and just like roll right over you. Right? Right, because they the power of momentum, they're not going to stop. So it's like yeah, you it's can't double, whiplash. Stop. And you know, so yeah. I, it, yeah, right. Or they're just going to smack you in the back of the head, right? It's really hard. So it's like you never can stop. Um, yeah. And so the, I, I picked up the meth pipe and ran even faster. It was like, look at me, I can go faster. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and somehow fooled myself into thinking that I could keep that up, and I couldn't because, like, like you have said, it was I dove into it hardcore and fast. And so it destroyed my body that fast. By the end of that year, I remember just being in so much pain, just so much pain and my skin, everything. I could tell that my entire body chemistry had changed. That was what was creepy. You know, like I could tell that I didn't smell the same. Everything about me, my hair was a different texture. My eyes were totally a different color. You know, everything about my body had changed and I just looked at myself and. And this was not my aha moment, to be honest. You, I think if you want to get into that part of it, yeah, um, please. I mean, you know, like, you I, know,
0: I, I, you know, like so. You told me that at seven months, you start realizing that this is not like a okay, just for today thing. Uh, well,
1: well, I, you know what I realized about myself: it, my deciding to or finally getting the courage to end an addiction didn't come from caring about myself. That's just the truth. I wasn't at a place where I loved myself at all. I had more shame and anger than ever because now I had picked up an addiction, right? And so all the shame and self-loathing I was trying to hide from, whether it was uh, maybe not becoming the big Broadway success I'd wanted to be, which was part always sort of festering inside me, or whether it was being a gay man who had never worked and done the therapy to accept myself to to learn to love myself and to be okay with saying I am a gay man and I'm, I'm still worthy of being loved. I deserve good things. I deserve great things. Uh, So in my addiction, I don't, I don't think that there was ever a point where I thought, you know what? I deserve to be well. I try to think that every day now, uh, but that's where I am now in the addiction. It was other people. And so I remember very clearly at about that seven month point, I had met uh, another guy who was more of a drug dealer and this the initial friend who introduced me I think tried to sort of pawn me off on him like he'd gotten sick of hanging out with me so he introduced me to a new guy and this guy was was really just scary like he had been he had a lot of PTSD I believe he, I didn't learn all this about him but he had been in the military and he was very like angry and he would he made it very clear off the bat, if anyone doesn't pay me for the drugs they buy, I will kill them, like that sort of thing, which is frightening. And all of a sudden, this guy was in my life only for probably about a week. But the first time I met him, he came over to my apartment. And I, the minute he was in my apartment, I just thought, what am I doing? I don't know this person. I mean, he's been referred to me by my other drug dealer. So, which isn't a great referral, right? <laughs> it's not like, uh-huh. oh, well, it's not like a, a very re- reliable source. All of a sudden, he's in my apartment. and he, I could just sense his energy. He was so angry. And he went and locked himself in my bathroom and he came out of the bathroom and he had, he had welts all over his body. Now I had never injected, um, crystal meth with needles and, but that's what he'd been doing in my bathroom. And I, I burst into tears looking at this guy. He was a, he was a, you know, very like handsome guy, all muscles and stuff like that from being in the military. And he walked out and he just, I don't know. I saw him. And it, it scared me. And it all that did was that reflected back on me. I was like, is that what I am? Or is that what I'm going to become? Um, and from that, that experience, and then I saw him a few more times, and he was frightening. He even threatened to... He tried to punch me one time for no reason at all. He just went off the rails one time. Um, and this was in my office. He had come over to my office, and I... I don't even know again, why I let him in there. Um, but when I saw him acting like that and I saw he, he was so broken, he was so hurting and it's so much anger. That's the first time I was able to look at myself. So, so I think that I just have to acknowledge that about my personality. I learn more from other people's stories and it, not learn more, but I pay attention more by proxy. I have much by proxy. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to be the ever probably be the, person who i first think about my own well-being i will always put someone else's before mine to my own detriment and i think a lot of people a lot of us do that because we're always we're good at helping others but not asking for help right we're good at you know making picking someone else up off the ground but never acknowledging that we need to be picked up too and that that is me to a t so it was all of a sudden from that point i remember just being my heart would like hurt. And again, remember, I was doing crystal meth, which is like numbs you beyond belief, I didn't want to have feelings. And that was supposed to be my time of not feeling anything. But I can remember, it was like from seven months on, I felt everything a 1000 times stronger than I ever felt in my life. I cried every single day. And I would just smoke more meth, trying to make that feeling go away and trying to numb myself and it just didn't work anymore. Um, And but it was when I started to think about the other people. The few guys that I knew was a very small circle. I didn't want people to know that I was doing this, so I didn't interact with very many people at all. But the few guys that I knew, when I would see them, and I would think, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, "Wow, you know, two months ago he looked so different. He looked so much healthier. He's dying. Like that guy's dying. I'm watching this guy die." You know, we sit and talk, and we joke, we watch YouTube videos and laugh, and we play video games and whatever else. But and, and acting like it's okay. But there's two men in this room who are dying like two men in this room who are killing themselves, just really slowly committing suicide. It just all of a sudden made sense to me. And I was like, what am I doing? It you know, it's like all those mornings, like you said, when you wake up and I just didn't think, I just grabbed the, the meth pipe and was like, let's go out our day. Let's like, not acknowledge the truth of my life. All of a sudden I couldn't get away from it anymore because I was seeing it in other people. And I think once, once you see something like that, it, it's very hard to unsee it. <laughs> um, and so... I just would look at these guys and I remember having nightmares too of their faces, just like their skin falling off and I would see their skeleton. Um, there, weren't maybe nightmares because I didn't very sleep very well. Meth doesn't really enable you to get a good night's sleep. So I was kind of half awake, half asleep and I would have these, these horrific like shock moments where these people that I knew, I would see them dead or their skeleton or something like that. And, and there was just no way for me after that to, to lie to myself anymore, to be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing this the healthy way it just was no longer a thing so um i i that was sort of the moment where i realized i wanted to get out of it that's not when i did get out of it but that's where that's where the 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 flip of the switch happened in my head and
0: just tell me how did everything you know like when did it turn around
1: it turned around (laughs) it's again i think i laugh now as i look at it when i I look at my life and how I sort of like to plan things out because I really um, I had an interaction with some people which I will tell you about. But I sort of I took pictures of myself on uh, the last day of well, on the first day of the year, 2018. So January 1st, 2018, I took a picture of myself for some reason which I hadn't done because I didn't want to see what I looked like. I was scary looking, and uh, I was for some reason that morning I took a picture. And I decided that day was when I was going to stop. And I I smoked meth two more times, uh, once in January, once in February, and then never again after that point. But so going from daily all throughout 2017, the end of 2017, I reconnect with two of my closest friends from high school who I'd barely seen. I'd spoken to a little bit over the last 20 years or so, 25 years, but not very much. And I saw them and they started talking to me about natural wellness and all the things that I knew about, right? All the things that I, and they told me about how their kids' lives had gotten healthier. My one friend, she told me about her daughter who had a lot of learning disabilities and things like this or um, issues in school and that how natural wellness and living healthier had just changed her life so much in such a huge way and changed their whole family's lives. And it was like, for the first time, I was talking to people again who were focused on health. I'd been spending basically that year Anyone who I talked to honestly were other drug addicts, other people doing crystal meth. Uh, so, but these two people, for some reason, we would opened up and we talked honestly that night, and it made me realize, okay, I don't, I don't have to do this alone. Like, I can have a community, I can have friends and people who love me and who will support me and who will help me. And I said, and that's, uh, I, I'm a person who needs love and community. I think we all are, but I, all I know is my life and my situation. I really, really need it, and when I don't. When I alienate myself or push myself away, I am in a very dangerous place for self-destructive behaviors. And so, these two people and I—they know I love them. They changed my life because they love me enough to to talk to me about living healthy. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know that I was a meth addict at the time. Um, but they just showed me love. And you know, after 20 years, to come back into my life and to. To talk to me about the stuff that I really was passionate about because I am. I love to talk about wellness. I love to help people understand the cool things that nature provides to take care of our lives. But I had gone, I had gone completely 180 from that, that part of me. And I hadn't spoken to people about that in the longest time. And all of a sudden there they were and they talked to me about it. And I said, you know what? I can, I would much rather be around people like that than you know than people who are committing suicide slowly killing themselves and so the community aspect was where i realized like oh i can get out of this like i can get out of this and be around cooler people be around happier people be around people who are like who are actually going in a good direction instead of like i never want to look someone in the eye again another person who was on crystal meth and i and even to this day and i get it i had friends a couple of friends who did see me during 2017 and they they instantly recognized that i was on meth because they had they had done drugs before they could see that deadness that coldness in my eyes they could see the pain and so to this day now since i've um since early 2018 it, i have not had to see anyone else who's doing meth and it really it, the, the idea scares me um because because i can see that pain for them and so but i you know i'm getting to that point because i really do want to try to help people who are <laughs> who are in that dark place. Um, but it was community for me. Helped me out big time. Wow. So
0: so friendship, no therapy, friendship. no... no. Uh...
1: So getting out... Yeah, so I, I, I am now in therapy and I'm doing it, but I trace my, my journey. The analogy that I give now when I talk to people is that I dove into this deep, deep well of addiction, this crystal meth well, deep, deep stone pit. And I was sort of treading water at the bottom of this this deep well for a while. And then all of a sudden I realized, okay, this is scary. I could drown down here. Like I gotta start trying to get out of this. And I'm clawing at the sides, you know, I'm scraping at the stone, trying to find the ladder to get out. And there was no ladder.
0: So I, even sober, you felt like drowning.
1: Um yeah, well I guess this analogy is while I was still while I was still um, smoking meth. I think that it was at that point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to get out. Like I'm ready for it to be over. But then there was nothing there was nothing there. It was like, okay, but where's the ladder? Like, and I and then you start to panic, right? Like, wait a minute, I want I want this done now, but I can't stop it. It's just it is what I you know, I need it to wake up, I need it to get throughout my day, I need it. And that night when I talked to those people, it was like the first rung of a ladder appeared for me. And I and I realized, okay, I can talk to people, I can have real relationships again, I can ask for help, I can ask some people to to be there for me. And that and it for a long time that was only the only rung that I found. And then slowly I found other rungs of the ladder, which would have been magnesium therapy. She was huge for me in the healing process, uh, to, then to flotation therapy and sensory deprivation and, and getting magnesium absorbed transdermally through my skin, thirteen hundred pounds of Epsom salt and magnesium soaked into my body, which started to heal that dried out damaged muscle tissue and all my sore joints and things like that. But from that to meditation, to gratitude journaling, to flotation therapy and breathwork therapy, Uh, breathwork therapy made me face my fears. So that led to just prayer in general, prayer and meditation. I started doing daily meditation. uh, Essential oil therapy was a huge part of it. And aroma freedom technique where I journaled and got in touch with my inner child and the the difficult things I had gone through, which finally then led me to actual therapy with a therapist. Uh, which I'm doing now. Um, so it was like each one of those was a rung on the ladder and it sort of helped me to climb up out of that stuff. But um, but it was weird because it took me a year to find actual therapy. That was not like one of the first things I got into. It took me a while to admit it. Again, my pride. I think it was my pride, always thinking, I don't need yeah, a therapist. <laughs> and, and fear
0: of failure. Because you, uh-huh. oh, you, you probably, yeah. you know, like subconsciously totally. t- taught totally. that, you know, like therapy was... Some kind of Admi- admitting, 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 that, admitting yeah.
1: that you need help. Yes, oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, that was thrown around in my upbringing, uh, in my house. That just was the sort of thing that was said. It was like, oh, we don't go to therapy, right? How many family, people's families have probably said that? We don't go to therapy. We fix our own problems. Um, it, it is It's that admission of, oh, I'm broken. I need help. I'm not perfect. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it took me a while to, to I guess, drop my drop my ego or, or learn to deal with my ego <laughs> i still have an ego and i learned to appreciate it and love it for the times that it's necessary but now we try to we do a little dance i try to be like all right you so you can step aside and let me get healthy like let me work on something good please <laughs> just let let me do this yeah and then you can have your moment again
0: and so how, how are you feeling now you know like that you know like that this is a kind of you know like a Closing, closing circle, you know, like how is Matt doing these days?
1: Yeah. Well, we will tell you. So now, I mean, I'm about to come to the two year point. Well, about two years since I decided made that decision to stop. And the first year was, again, finding all these awesome therapies, finding new people, new Tools. connections. And yeah. And, and new rung, rungs on that ladder. So it, the first year was almost like celebrity. By the end of the year, I had. I became strong enough to go skydiving to then make a video and post on social media to tell the world, hi, I'm Matt. I'm a gay man who's HIV positive and just came out of a crystal meth addiction. And I'm learning to love myself. And I'm learning to, I'm learning about all the the work I need to do on myself. And here I am, here I am world. I'm putting it out there just bam on social media. Judge me if you want, but I'm so tired of carrying shame around anymore. It was like, I just opened up that backpack and shook it out. And said, here, just, I mean, if you're going to judge me, you're going to judge me. So that year was almost like, it was like nirvana because I was, I was healthy and I was just getting healthier and healthier. And then I got into 2019 and it, this, this second year has been the year of, okay, now, now guess what, Matt? Now you actually have to, you, you dumped out this book bag of your, your rocks, and I'm sorry for all the different analogies. So I've used like 20 analogies right now. <laughs> We're good. That's I'm how good. I roll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the I do the too. backpack of the burden of shame that we carry all, all our lives and that I had carried. I dumped it out. So, so it was like, look, world, there it is. I think a part of me hoped like, well, look, when I just say it out loud, it'll all magically vanish. But no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> you can tell everyone. And that's great because... It, yeah, people can't judge me. And there there's a lot of stigma with something like HIV, with something like crystal meth addiction. There are, if someone finds out, you know, it's like this deep, deep, dark secret that you don't want people to know. So I just put it out there. I said, I'm just gonna own it. And then, hey, I don't have to worry. I don't have to be looking over my shoulder for someone to, to you know, tell my dirty, dark secret. So I just put it out there. But this year has been, the, okay, Matt, now you have to sift through all of those, all the stuff, the, the contents of that book bag, one by one, and look at them at face value. And a lot of those, you know, they're heavy, heavy, dark things. Why, why did you become, you know, an HIV positive person? This is something I share about my story. It wasn't by accident. I had so much self-loathing and shame that I was hiding from, and I wasn't acknowledging that I believed I deserved an illness. I believed, as a gay man, I that was my destiny. I just believed I deserved it. So, ten years after coming out and being Mr. Happy, you know, anyone who knew me would probably look at me and say he's got it all going on he is an entrepreneur and he works for himself and he helps people but i was still i was drowning in so much of my own shame and so i thought i deserved something bad so i just stopped using protection and having unsafe sex and and uh then it happened i was all of a sudden living with hiv um and then i had to go even darker <laughs> i had to go into crystal meth addiction and then finally to to you know that was enough for me to say Okay, I, it's time to look at the stuff because what darker can I? How much darker can I go next time? Enough chips um, on shoulder. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, like, like that. You know, like it, it seems like whew, okay. The the squeaky clean image needs to be oh, dirt enough. Yes. You know, like 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 I need to mess it up a bit. You know, like like uh,
1: yeah. And and I and something inside me was longing to like that's the thing. Now you know, I just I just went to a big event this past weekend in Philadelphia where I know. Everyone there, but it's the first time in the past four or five months since I sort of made this big life change to get away from that world and of people who are self-destructing and people who are just wallowing in negativity. And I went back there and I saw all these people, and they down there they watch my daily videos, they listen to my podcast, they hear me talking about all these things HIV, which in the the LGBTQ community nobody wants to talk about that because it's a, it's a fear. It's like you know that's a reality in our community, so the guy who talks about it now openly, I was really concerned that people, I would get a negative response. And I walked through that event, that festival, for the first time ever in my life, feeling like I, I, I was light, I was free. I didn't care what I looked like. I didn't care if people were judging me. I didn't care who had heard my story and who was thinking negatively. I walked around with such joy because I was like, I'm, be, I'm being honest. I'm walking through this crowd as an honest person. I'm not pretending to be that squeaky clean image guy who's actually, you know, just dying inside of shame and anger and sadness and disappointment and all these things. I'm just walking around free. And then the coolest thing was that people would come up to me and hug me and thank me for my videos. And, and I never expected that. So it was a really awesome day. It was probably the first time that I could be in a community where I'd always felt judged and I was scared of what people would think of me and what, this and that. And suddenly, I was just being myself, and it was really rewarding. <laughs> it was awesome. For sure, it was a it was a good feeling. First time ever, um, that I felt like that. So, I, I hope to feel like that more often. So, I'm going to keep trying to to work at totally being more and more honest and vulnerable and share more about it. As I, you can probably tell just by speaking to me, I still fight with dropping the that the super optimistic, super happy guy image um to talk really really deeply about things that's that's a struggle and that's what i'm just working through i'm trying to do the journaling and you know crack that shell because it, it grows right back you know, that, that facade that mask grows back really quickly where i just want to be like hey look everything's perfect you know nothing's I, wrong i don't feel like talking about dark stuff anymore let's, let's pretend that didn't happen <laughs> i
0: think it's human it's just human to have that varnish just look perfect you know, like be, and hello, you social know, like, media, right? I mean, look at Instagram yeah.
1: filters, right? I mean, everything is. My life is great. Let me show you all the great moments of my life. We're exactly. conditioned to be that way. Totally, absolutely.
0: On that note, Matt, you know, like I can't thank you enough for you know, like the the, the openness and you know, like how how you know, like just an open book you wear with me. You know, like the the I I tend to repeat myself every single time I have a discussion with my guests that um there's there's nothing that could have, you know, like tell me that I would have pure strangers accept my invitation to that thing. <laughs> yes. You know, like for yes. me, for me, it I, I am every single time humbled and blown away by, by, you know, like where, where this drags me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like it is, it is a phenomenal experience. You know, like I'm, I'm, egoistically i'm i'm going through something magical in my life with that that experience <laughs> yes, that, that podcast yes. experience um there's, there's well i just have
1: to i have to thank you for for that as well i mean not, not to just throw it throw your words back in your face but you are this is a part of your journey it's obvious the passion just I, again i've never spoken to you before tonight and we spoke for about 15 50- minutes before we actually started recording this and in those that short time you instantly earned my trust and g- gave me permission to speak honestly to really speak honestly i could have gone on here gotten on here and just talked about sunshine and, ro- and, and rainbows and roses and yeah. everything could have been great and that never could have gone a little bit deeper never could have scratched the surface but you made me feel comfortable so and with the other podcast episodes i've listened to you do that with everyone so it's pretty awesome. It's pretty magical that you've got that ability to make people feel that comfortable and that it's a safe space to just open up. So I hope you continue doing this because, uh, you, I mean, you can change a lot and help change a lot of lives and just let people, give people permission to, to speak honestly. So that's a really cool thing. Thank you. You did that for me tonight in a huge way.
0: Uh, I mean, you're know, like, it's, a. Uh... Yeah, I I guess it's you know like you you're not the first one telling me that you know like I yeah. I'm, I'm I'm gonna borrow some of your uh, own you know like uh own, <laughs> own defect which is like ah, that can, <laughs> that must be uh, staged but yeah
1: you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you can't deflect stop deflecting I know you you want to say things and yeah make it uh, funny and stuff but you you got to own this i'm going to force you to own it all it's right. just it, it just shows that you're in the right place in your life yeah I, and, I, a, you're, and it, you're doing the right thing i'm it just having a like blast Superman. and
0: enjoying it you know like for me yeah, it's just yeah, like it's yeah. my i'm i'm actually just sharing you're my doing what own you're supposed
1: cu- to be doing yeah you're it's doing exactly own, what is perfect it's yeah. sharing
0: my own curiosity to it you know like it's totally. uh totally i'm I, you know like like i said you know like i'm 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 gonna be 15 year in in next february and i think just hearing about people is is helping me a ton. You know, like it's it's, uh, it's therapeutic. It, it, right? it is. It is. As yes. you do, you know, like probably on a daily basis by you know, like continuing your work on, on massage therapy, and you know, like mm-hmm. you realize when someone speaks and and confess, you're know, like, geez, that's me. You know, like that's, that's me. Yes, absolutely. And, and yeah. So yeah, I mean. Thanks a lot, Matt. It was a pleasure. You know, like I enjoyed every minute of it. And, you know, like, I wish you the best. You know, like, I, I, I hope that you, you're going to stay through to the the great human being I, I just met and, you know, like uh, discovered and... Uh, You know, like this, this life is, you know, like so worth it. You know, like so, so let's let's enjoy every minute of it, and
1: right, and let's do good things. And like you said, uh, yeah, as long as we keep doing what we're doing, getting other people to open up and share their stories, I think we both have that passion. It is, it's what keeps me on the right track. It makes me not have any desire to go back into that dark place when I can speak to people, the more I can share my story. So thanks for this opportunity because this was therapy for me. This this was first and foremost, me taking care of myself. And if someone else's life can benefit by hearing my story, then that's just that's just icing on the cake, right? The yeah. most important thing is that I stay healthy, that I stay sober and just taking care of myself and loving myself. And uh, that's what we all do. There's nothing There's nothing wrong in that. We have to take care of ourselves first. So Thanks for the free therapy today, I guess I should be saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is an hour of free therapy. I don't have to pay for it. Woo-hoo. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. Have a great day. bye